Good morning once again, everybody. You're here. So glad, so glad you carved out time to be with us here today. My name's Alan, and I want to start by saying thank you, by, by saying thank you to a great church. That's you. Two weeks ago, I stood right here and I talked about Easter and I said that we have a plan for Easter and we want to do something different. We want to provide children's ministry, which we typically don't do on Easter. We don't have uh, as much children's ministry as we offered this year because we wanted to do something different here in this room. And that meant that we needed your help. So two weeks ago, I said, we need your help. We need you to jump in and, and be a part of this. Just hang out you know, for, for Easter and jump in and be a part of this. We had 80 spots that needed to be filled in order to make Easter happen. And we had 120 signatures. 120 people. That's awesome. We had to call people up and say, I'm sorry, you can't serve at Easter here. It was amazing. It was so great. And as a result, Easter was, was a great experience. And you guys were an army here, I mean, it just every spot was filled, and so every age of kids were taken care of, and there was it was just running so smooth. Greg Battle, uh, normally uh, on Easter and these big events, he floats around and just makes sure he's available for any area that needs something. And he said on Monday when we were debriefing, he said there was nothing for me to do. He said he walked around and people said, what do you need? What do you need help with? And he said, we got it. We got it, Greg. You go on to somebody else. And so he was, he was you know, set into depression because he wasn't needed. And so we're working on that. But, but the ultimate thing is uh, you guys really showed up. So way to go. Way to go. This is a, this is a tremendous problem. This is a tremendous problem for us to have. My hope is that for any of you who stepped up, who participated, who jumped in and helped out, that you had a great experience and that, that, that this will help us build toward a lot of new things that we're going to experience as a church as we move into the new building. And there are going to be a number of new ways for us to jump in and be a part of, of serving anyone that God wants to bring and be a part of, of the future of Mountain Park. And so uh, it was a good thing. And uh, seriously, thank you. Thank you for responding so well and for having an impact on um, many, many who made a decision for Christ and uh, last week and uh, made a decision to rededicate their lives to Christ. And, um, and that's because we, we joined in as a community and just teamed up with, the, with just letting the Holy Spirit uh, do his thing. And so awesome. Way to go. Way to go. Uh, honored to be uh, with you and be part of that. As we head into the message today, would you bow your heads uh, with me? Father, I'm thankful to be part of what you're doing here at Mountain Park. I'm thankful to be uh, with this team on staff and leaders and to be part of, of, of a group of people who is pursuing you and, uh, and that cares about others and their pursuit of you. So, uh, God, I pray that you would uh, continue to bless um, our efforts to uh, represent you, to represent your kingdom here in this part of Phoenix. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Check this out.
Uh, I know you've seen most of those before, but it's, those are the videos just like you can't, you can't see them too many times. It's, oh, I've seen enough of that laughing baby. I mean, it's just, it's just so fun. Uh, babies are amazing. Life is amazing. Birth is amazing. The whole idea of little tiny cells rapidly dividing and multiplying and and then somehow saying, you are going to be part of a lung and you are going to be part of a heart and you are going to be part of bone tissue. And the way the whole thing happens so tiny, so fast, the whole thing is amazing. Life is amazing. Any parent will remember that that moment of first seeing the, the, the living child, either coming out right there in the moment or, or you know, with, if you're there in the room, the, the mom always is, but the, but the dad, you know, wherever you might be. But, but you kind of you remember that so amazing. Here's a picture of uh, in, in 2005, our little Lila, our uh, baby girl was born. And so I took a picture of her with a ruler to just show how tiny uh, she was. And um, here's a picture in 2003 of our second born uh, Martin. This was on, on the day of his birth and he was so peaceful and quiet. That was the last day of that. That was, it all went, uh, and then two years before that, in 2001, uh, it was, Gordon was born, and uh, he had, he had a bad day then, but, uh, but you got it, if you have little ones, don't just capture the good days, you also capture pictures of, of bad days, because you, you kind of, you, you want to remember those, because that's pretty fun to look at, so anyway, life is amazing, and it's, and it's, it's the thing that binds us all together, that, that, it, it's what we absolutely are connected with and all have in common that we have been given breath by God. Black, white, young, old, American, Syrian, Canadian. What we all have in common is that we've been given breath by God. Life is amazing. So what else, what else do we universally have in common? Benjamin Franklin famously said, that um, nothing in life is certain except what? Death and taxes. But I think even taxes is questionable. I mean, you can avoid taxes. Look at the president. <laughs> okay, let's just get over. Let's just stay together. Stay with me here. I mean, taxes are not uh, absolutely, I mean, it's, it's really, it's life and death. It's the amazing and beautiful thing of life, and it's the reality of death. That's what we all have in common. That's what all of us experience. Life starts with life, and it ends with death. That is the thing we all have in common. Or is that all there is to it? Is that all there is to it? What if, what if death is not the end? This is, a, this is a radical thought that we're talking about here today. What if, what if life doesn't end with death. I know, it's, I know it's morbid to talk about death, but what we're, what we're really talking about today is this idea of new life. And we can't experience new life unless we have some kind of encounter with death. It doesn't go from life to new life. It goes from life to death to new life. We're going to talk this morning about what that means and how that impacts our lives. This whole year, we were talking about something new. We're looking at the many ways that God invites us into new things 
Uh, we're, looking at, at, we're, we're looking at the whole story of God. Last week we, we were at the, the Easter part with Jesus and his death and resurrection. And that, that, uh, that Jesus then offers a new day. He re-stamped time that the calendar is set around this moment in history. That, that Jesus came in and set a whole new journey, a whole new day for all of humanity. And uh, now as we continue this journey, where we are is we're transitioning from what, what I call the Messiah, the story of the Messiah's what we find in the four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the story of Jesus. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension back into heaven, then the story in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it begins the second half of the New Testament journey. And I call that the revolution because the followers of Jesus... Uh, Peter and Paul and James and John and many others, men and women, they continued a revolution that Jesus started. That Jesus' impact geographically was not grand. He grew up in Galilee and then his death and resurrection and all that happened around Jerusalem. It wasn't a, 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 a lot of space, but the whole plan, Jesus knew it was going to be passed from him onto these men and women who were going to take it from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth. And so that's the story that we're in right now is, is the revolution and how the story continued and moved on. And we're going to look at some of the letters of uh, particularly Paul, and he, he talks about this new concept in multiple ways, new creation. And today what we're talking about is new life. We're looking at Romans chapter 6. If you brought your Bibles, which I encourage you to do, uh, bring, it's an, you can bring an actual book. I know we don't use those very much, but please feel free to bring your Bible or, or bring a digital book, uh, bring a digital version of, of the uh, Bible, we're in Romans chapter 6 today, and essentially the beginning of this chapter talks about baptism. And normally when we uh, talk about baptism, we do it on the, on the day of baptism. Today we're talking about baptism because, because uh, what Paul's saying here in chapter 6 is that when we come up out of the water, that represents new life. We're going to look at what that means but normally when we talk about baptism, it's on the day of baptism and we're setting up for those who are going to head out and are going to be baptized. We wanted to try it differently today because when we do that, there's clarity on what baptism, uh, baptism is all about, easy for me to say, um, but it doesn't give you any time to think about or to reflect on whether that's that's something that you want to do if you want to be baptized. Nor does it give you the opportunity to prepare or contact uh, loved ones or, or friends and just say, hey, I want you to celebrate uh, this with me. And so we want to do it differently in that we're going to talk about baptism today. Then in two weeks on May 7th, we're going to celebrate with the baptism celebration. What also we're going to do is that after this class, uh, uh, after this um, uh, uh, service, sorry, immediately following this, we're going to have a class, an orientation class for baptism at 11.40. And so you can go right from this uh, outside the doors to room uh, 117, just outside uh, the south uh, entrance to the church there. And uh, we are going to do a, a baptism orientation so you can get a sense of what this is all about and uh, etc. I'll, I'll remind you of that uh, near the end. But that's the plan. I just wanted to kind of let you know the plan for today, why we're talking about baptism, two weeks before we actually do the baptism. 
So let's jump in here. Romans chapter 6. And Paul begins this chapter, verse 1. And he says, what shall we say then? And we just need to pause there. That whenever we jump into scripture, uh, sometimes there's clear indicator that something significant happened before that. So this these first four verses in Romans that we're lo- in Romans six that we're looking at, they flowed out of what Paul talked about in the first five chapters. So we, I just want to give you a, a summary or reminder of what happened in the first part of Romans, so that what shall we say then makes some sense as we roll into chapter six. That in the first five chapters, Paul basically outlines the gospel, basically walks through the story of Jesus. Not unlike what we did last week at Easter, and we, we just talked about the reality that the Old Testament journey is, is, gives clarity to the fact that the problem is sin. The problem for, for any of us as we look at our lives, if we get to that point of saying, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with life? Why, why, am I, why is life so hard? Why are things not going the way I want them to go? The problem is not that you're unlucky and everybody else is. It's not that you have some kind of chemical imbalance in your brain and, and, that, and that other people don't have that problem. The problem is not that you're just surrounded by a bunch of idiots and so life is difficult. That's not the problem. The problem is sin. And Paul says very clearly in chapter 3 of Romans, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. That is the problem that is in need of a solution. And that solution, as we talked about last week, that solution is Jesus. That Jesus died on the cross and took on all the sins of humanity so that we can be made right with God. Paul says in chapter 5 that while we were still sinners caught in, in the Old Testament trap of sin, the law and not being able to keep up with it, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So Paul walks out the gospel, and then he transitions in chapter 6 then. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Does that question connect with you at all? Does that question have any relevance for you. What, what Paul is doing, and he does this often in his writings, he uses a style of communication called diatribe, where you, you, you stir up a question and then answer it yourself. It's kind of, it's, you're writing, but you're engaging in a conversation that, that stirs up the listener in a way that's more than just, here are my thoughts, here are my thoughts, here are my thoughts, here are my thoughts. And that might sound a little bit weird to you, but this whole idea of, of, of generating questions, but if you've ever talked to yourself, you ever asked yourself a question, then you're kind of doing a diatribe with yourself. You wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you go, how you doing? That's a diatribe that you're doing. Hey, you've been working out? Because you look like you've been working out. I mean, that's, that's what a diatribe is, is it stirs up. It says, I'm going to ask a, a, a question and then answer it. And it's a very effective way of communication as long as the question is one that the hearers are asking. So if you're asking the wrong question, then, then you're answering the wrong question. And so, so is this a question? What shall we say then? Uh, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Does, does that connect with you 
at all. If, if it doesn't, let me help you out with something. Let me just kind of look at this differently or ask this question differently. Have you ever changed your order in a restaurant when you found out somebody else was paying? Now, you don't have to raise your hand. You know, but just kind of, hmm, have you ever done that? Have you ever, uh, you know, called the waiter over after you kind of learned the dynamics of the situation and just said, yeah, I'm going to I'm just cancel the chicken nuggets. Um, I'm going to get the filet, yeah, the 20 ounce. And uh, if you could put the lobster on the side and then just put the Alaskan crab, uh, you know, over top of it, it'd be awesome. Thanks so much. I'd like a refill on my wine and then more appetizers around. That'd be great. Thank you. So, I mean, if that's kind of how... How the, how the thing moves, then, then what's happening there is you're saying, well, it's all paid for. I mean, somebody else is paying for this. It's all paid for. It's either the company is paying for it or this person's company is paying for it or whatever it is. It's all paid for, so why don't I indulge all the more? What, why don't I? It's paid for, so why don't I just take care of all the more? If you've ever done that or thought that or heard of someone who've done, who's done that, how dissimilar as that to just saying, you know what? It's my understanding of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. It's all paid for. It's all paid for. There, there isn't a sin I could possibly do that is not covered by the blood of Jesus on the cross. It's all paid for. So why should I hold back? It's all paid for. So why should I resist? Why should I hold off on any sin whatsoever? If, if that ever kind of wanders through your mind, then this is the right question for you. Then this is a relevant question. You see, Paul is passionately talking about grace. That grace is about freedom from our past. It's not permission for our future. Grace is about freedom. It's not about permission. And that whenever we embrace grace or see grace, look at amazing grace and allow it to give us permission to do anything, to say, it's all covered. It's, it's just covered. When we allow grace to give us permission, we are making a mockery of what Jesus did on the cross. We are making a mockery. And if you are a follower of Christ, if the whole Easter experience was deeply meaningful for you, either for the first time or as a reminder of what Jesus has done for you, if, if we let, let grace give us permission for sin, we are making a mockery of that whole experience. And Paul says, by no means, he rolls into verse 2, by no means are we to look at or think about uh, uh, sin in that way? And then he continues, verse 2. He says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He's challenging this mockery thing. In fact, he wants to protect this story that he laid out in the first five chapters. He wants to protect grace from being misunderstood and then exploited. He says, if you choose to follow Jesus, if you choose to embrace Jesus as the solution, 
then here's what that's going to look like. It's going to impact your life. It means you're going to have to live differently. You're going to have to act differently. Here's what it's going to look like. You are going to have to be dead to sin. We are those who have died to sin. This is incredibly important to understand that if we choose this pathway, here's what it looks like. Saying that we've died to sin doesn't mean that we never sin. In fact, a mark of someone who's deeply spiritual is not someone who never sins. It's someone who is still passionate about dying to sin. It's not someone who never trips up. It's someone who, when they trip up, they go, that's still a big deal. That's still, I'm not just embracing that because I've been struggling with that for 10 years. I'm, just, I'm not just saying, oh, well, whatever. The deeply spiritual ones are the ones who say, that's still, I still want to die to that sin, who are passionate about, about, um, about dying to sin, that that. That being dead to sin doesn't mean that we don't sin anymore. It means that it's no longer the norm. It's no longer who we are. Because I I think, I I reflect on before I committed my life to Christ and and my understanding with many, many conversations with people who who have uh, made that journey and talked about that journey without Christ, that, that, that all of us without Christ... That we walk, we walk out our journey and we experience life. It's a gift from God. God has breathed life into us. And that the journey without Christ is one that, that has lots of sin in it. I mean, there's, there's some people who are better than others and make naturally good decisions. And some people just have just good people and good hearts. But sin is just a norm for life without Christ. If, if we can get away with it, if we decide, well, it's lesser of two evils or whatever the journey might be, if we can get away with it, we naturally will to just say, just, it's just a little, little lie here. It's just a little uh, twisting of the truth over there. It's a misuse of funds here, but, but there's other circumstances that kind of make it, it you know, justified here in this situation. And so it just comes down to sin is just... It's just normal, and it's about a matter of managing it and, and which things we can get away with. And Paul just radically says, says you're, you're, you're dead to sin, that this journey of, of having a new day of embracing Jesus as your Savior means that you have to respond, you have to think differently about sin. You're supposed to be dead to sin. It's a radical concept. And it's not bait and switch. It's not, hey, uh, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin. You can experience a new day. You can have a new life. You can be a new creation. That's great. Oh, congratulations. And then once we get in and the door is shut, okay, now that we got you in here, now you got to die to your sin. That's not what it is. It's not a bait and switch. Oh, come on, come on, come on. And then once you get in, boom. That's not what it is. It's just an explanation of here's what it means to embrace this. It's like being given the the greatest imaginable gift that you could could think of here physically here in in Phoenix. Could you imagine somebody just coming up to you and saying, you know what? I've heard you're having some rough times. I want to give you 
a house. No way! I want to give you a 2,700 square foot brand new house here in Ahwatukee. I want to give you the house. It would be like responding to that after a few weeks of thinking about it and going, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying I'm going to have to blow the leaves in the front and I'm going to have to take care of the pool and the jacuzzi in the back? That sounds like a lot of work. So I'm going to pass. No, thank you. (laughs) New house. That would be like, I mean, that'd be ridiculous, right? It's just, that's what that means. If you get a new house, here's what it means. It means you're going to have to take care of it. Here's what it means to have a new house. It's the same thing in a, in a, in a journey with Christ to say it is the most amazing gift that you could ever imagine to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And here's what that means. Here's what it means. It means sin is no longer the norm. That's no longer who you are. And, and we're going to trip up, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to do it together. We're going to lift one another up, and we're going to move on to the next uh, part of the journey. But that's not who you are. You have to respond to sin differently than you did before. You have to. It's not bait and switch. That's just what it means to embrace the new life that is offered by Jesus. We've got to die to sin. And then in the next verse... Paul talks about the symbol of baptism, specifically. He says, or don't you know, this is verse 3, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Here's where we get this phrase, new life. So what is death? What is death? I mean, death universally is the thing that human nature says we got to avoid that at all costs. Death is the thing we will uh, kick and scream and scratch and, and naturally and animals and all of that just say that's the thing we got to avoid. We've got to avoid death. It is, it is the end of life. It's the end of everything. So we want to do all that we can to make that not happen because it's the end. It's the thing that stops everything else. But Jesus' story that Paul talks about here says death no longer has that role. That death is not the end anymore. The grave is not the end of the journey anymore. This is a radical, a radically different way to look at life. That every one of us is going to die. We're, we're going to die. We, and in a sense, with the gospel story, we get to choose how we're going to die. Again, I know this is morbid, but just try to stay with me here. That we can choose to live life and say, death is the thing, is the end. Death is the end. It's the thing I want to avoid. So I'm going to squeeze all that I can make the most out of life. I'm going to be afraid of death. That's the thing I don't want to happen because that's the end of life. We can walk it out that way or, Paul says, you can experience death now. You, instead of being afraid of death, you can, you, can, you can connect with Jesus by experiencing death 
now by dying to yourself, dying to your sin, and then death is no longer the thing that you're afraid of. Because then you enter into new life and you get to experience what it means to walk it out with Christ. Eventually, there'll come a time where our bodies will shut down on us. Our physical bodies will shut down on us. And, it's, and it's, it, it's devastating and it's painful for all those around us. But we don't have to be afraid of it because we already died. We, the, the death part already took place. Now I'm in new life. And my body's going to shut down, but I'm going to continue into new life with Jesus into eternity. It's a completely different way of looking at the, at the whole journey. We can either experience death sometime later and push it off as, as much as we can, or we can say, I'm going to die now. I'm going to experience new life and walk that out with Jesus. There's two kinds of people in this world. It, it, so many things start off with that phrase, right? But this one's real. There's two kinds of people. Those who tend to say, I'm going to get it done now. And those who say, I'll get to it sometime later. Right? I mean, there's, there's, when it comes to, just look at tons of examples. It could be college education. There are those who, uh, at whatever point in the journey, whether it's coming out of high school or whatever point, they're just saying, you know what? I'm going to get it done now. I am going, it means I'm going to have to say no to some significant things. It means I may have to put some money into some stuff that I don't want to put money into, but I'm going to get my college education and I'm going to do it now. And there are others who say, ah, I'll figure that out some other time. I will take care of that some other time. I will chip away at it and figure that out. And, and that's, I mean, there's just two different kinds of people. The same could be said about medical issues. Some people say, I'm going to take care of it now. Uh, uh, I, whether it's a, a knee problem or a back problem. Some people say, I'm going to jump in. I'm, I'm going to have to change my life a little bit, and it's going to be expensive, and I don't want to do it, and it's going to be painful, but I'm going to do it now because I need to so that I can experience something uh, great later on. And then there are others who say, nah, I'm just going to set that aside. I'm going to hold off on that. Which one are you? Which one are you in life, just in general, not even about spiritual things, just in general? Are you the get-it-done-now person or the I'm going to wait and do that later? My wife and I, we enjoy Fridays together. Every Friday, Friday's my day off, and so Tammy and I spend the whole day together. And most Friday mornings, it was two days ago, she said this when we got up, and she said, Alan, we're going to work hard, and then we're going to play hard. She's got her list, and so, you know, basically in the morning we work hard, and in the afternoon. My thing, I wake up on Friday, and I think, I want to play hard. And when do the kids come home? Those are my two things. So, so, and so there's a, just, just a different journey. And so I, I think for the most part, things go better when we take care of them now. For the most part, it, it's a better decision to get it done now and not set it off and delay and procrastinate. For the most part, it's better not to procrastinate. And just, you know, I can throw out a thousand examples. Emails. It's just so much quicker to take care of an email now than it is to, uh, oh, I'll do that sometime later, and then it sits in your inbox for three months. Okay, maybe not you. That's me. But I mean, I mean it's just how many of those things? Just get it done now. And Paul just says here, you know what? You can die now. You can die now. 
And get this, get this taken care of. That with the whole baptism symbol, that when we go under the water, Paul walks this out clear, just as Christ was, uh, uh, we are buried with him through baptism into death. When we go under the water, that we are connecting with, we are identifying with the death of Jesus. That under the water, we can't breathe. We can't take care of ourselves. We are, we are in, right there is where we say, I'm going to die to sin. We're going to take on all the weight, all the things we cannot control ourselves. We're going to die to all of those things. And here at Mountain Park, we want that to be very clear. So we hold people down a little bit longer. We want this part to be very clear and we hold down. You watch, two weeks from now. Don't be deterred by that. And then... And then when you come up out of the water, that represents the new life. Saying, I've died to my old ways. I've died to the person that I was. I've died to sin. And I come up and I've experienced, I'm, it's, a, it's a symbol, it's a representation of I'm experienced new life. I've embraced a, a, a new way of, of, of seeing sin. A new way of embracing grace. And that's, what, that's the new life piece that we come up with. Again, it's not life and then death. It's life, death, and new life. And Jesus wants us to experience new life. So for any of you here who have, who have not been baptized yet, I just encourage you to consider whether this, this is the time, this is the year, May 7th, is, is your time to take the faith that you've embraced and make a, a public proclamation of that. And I just wanted to be, want to be clear. What I love talking about the baptism piece to give clarity that baptism is not something to, that we do when we get to the point of saying, I believe in God. It's not, I believe in God, so it's time to be baptized. That's good, but that's not what baptism is about. Baptism is also not about, I, I think my life is better because of God than it is without God. That's good too, but that's not what baptism is about. Baptism is, not, is also not, I have been going to church for as long as I can remember, and I've never been baptized. Can you believe that? So, of course, it's time for me to be baptized. That's not what baptism is about. Baptism is understanding that Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin and then saying, I am willing to die to sin and then experience a new life as a new person. That's what the symbol of baptism is. And that's what you're proclaiming to the world is you're saying, I, I'm I'm experiencing a new life here. It's not an adjustment to life. It's a radical change. So if you've never been baptized, if, uh, if that hasn't been a part of your journey, then I highly encourage you to attend the meeting here uh, right at the end of our time here. Just flow right out the doors and into 117. Folks will help guide you over there if you're interested in that. And just go in and sit in and learn more about it and make sure that you understand what this is. Or perhaps you don't remember being baptized, you don't remember if you were or not, or you're, you're not sure about whether baptism is the right thing for you, or if you have embraced Jesus as the Messiah, 
If you go to this meeting, you're under no obligation to be baptized. But what a great investment of some minutes of your time to look into this part of your life and just see, is this the right time? Is this truly what's going on in your mind and what's going on in your heart? We would love to meet you there and walk that out with you. And then we are very excited about uh, celebrating baptisms with any of you who choose to do that on May 7th. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. I want to pray with you as we wrap up here today. Father, I thank you for any here in the room who have recently given their lives over to you, whether it was last week at Easter or uh, in the past few months or people who just have not yet been baptized. God, I pray that you would give clarity for any here in the room to decide, yes, this is the time. I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I want to do that on May 7th. Father, I pray that you would uh, smooth out that path, that all the things that might get in the way of that would just be taken care of so that we can celebrate together new life. Father, I pray also for anyone here in the room who, who've, who've been baptized and that was a part of their journey, God, that you would stir up this idea today about, about not making a mockery of your grace, but, but that we would die to sin, that we would remember in a powerful way today, God, that you died so that we could be free from our sin. God, not so that we would have permission for it. So God, for any, any sin that is lingering here in this room, anything that we've decided, there's nothing I can do about that. I'm just, I'm letting that one go. God, would you give us the strength and the power and the courage to revisit that and to say, I'm dead to sin. And God, as, as, as all of this works out, we pray that you would get the glory, that all of us would say, God is the one who brings freedom. God is the one who met me there at that place at that time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. So great to see you here this weekend. Uh, flow into the baptism orientation class. And uh, if you're interested, we'll see you next time.